If you guys want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, Titus, uh, that's where we'll be uh, most of the time during the, the lesson this morning. Um, <clears throat> so we've already gathered together in song, um, as we see Christians instructed to do. We've already gathered together in prayer, as we see Christians doing and being instructed to do. We've already gathered together in the Lord's Supper and, and partaken of that and commemorated His death. And so now this is a, a short time where we're just going to spend some time in the text um, and consider um, just a couple small thoughts, very small scope, um, that maybe we can take with ourselves this week and uh, maybe teach others, but hopefully um, learn for ourselves uh, some ways that we can think differently or live differently um, from from God's Word. Um, so... Kelly was actually telling uh, uh, me, and I think he told some other folks a story about someone who stopped him after overhearing him at a Bible study, and uh, asked him if he could, if he was, if he could give him some social advice. I think that was the phrase he used. Um, I don't know how <laughs> how he tied the discussion of Bible in with social advice, but he, you know, he asked for that. He said, you know, can you give me social advice? Um, well, I don't even know what he meant by, by the question, uh, much less my interpretation of it. But I, I read something in Titus that, that kind of made me think of that. If you look in Titus chapter 2, it was part of the reading um, that Josh read this morning. And I, I did want him to read the whole chapter because there's a lot of context and things that we're going to talk about there. But if you look specifically at verses 11 through 14 in Titus 2, Paul tells Titus, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Um, now, your translation may have different words in there, uh, but the word that I was looking at specifically was sensibly, right? Um, the grace of God has appeared, doing these things, and one of these things is instructing us to live sensibly um, in, in this world. And I, I, never, I never thought of like God's grace, or even the gospel, instructing me to live sensibly. And maybe it's because of the way we use that English word. When I think of a sensible life, I think of no risk-taking, don't jump out of planes, you know. Um, you, 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 always, you know, always wear your seatbelt. That, that is a sensible thing. But what, I'm, what I mean is, you know, you, always, you take precautions and you don't go out on a limb and you don't do anything exciting. And, and maybe that's just my misinterpretation of that English word, uh, sensible. Um, but that's not the idea that's that's in the word behind this, the, the Greek word that's behind this. Um, in fact, if you look previously here in Titus, look in Titus chapter 1, verse, verse 8. <clears throat> so Paul has told Titus, I left you in Crete to do something, which is appoint you know, elders. And here, here are some qualifications for these. Well, in verse 8, uh, that same word is used describing the type of character this elders should have. They should be hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. And then look in Titus chapter 2 again, verse 2. 
Again, something Josh read for us. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible. Sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Titus chapter 2, verse 5. Talking about the young women. They're to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Titus 2, verse 6. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. It's kind of interesting. The only thing he tells the young men to be is sensible. Maybe that's all they can handle. <laughs> you know, the young women have this whole laundry list of things, right? And in addition to being sensible, it seems like they have more capacity to, <laughs> to adapt than the young men do. Um, but anyway, everybody's told to be sensible, except the older women. I, I guess they're already there, right? Um, but... Uh, well, I mean, they're kind of told, right? The, the text we read, 11 through 14, the grace of God instructs every person to live sensibly. And, and I haven't told you exactly what that word is, but it's not what I thought it was. What it is is it's sober-minded. I think Josh's translation used that for the young men. It says the young men should be sober-minded. Um, you should live your life with a clear head. Right. Um, you you, sh- you shouldn't live your life um, where your thoughts are kind of murky, or your thoughts are skewed, or your thoughts are right. You should be clear, and sometimes we're clear in what we want, and that causes us not to live sober-minded, right? Because of the only thing we're clear about is what we want, our desires. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about objective clarity not like do I feel clear about what, how I'm living but there's a standard of cl- clarity clarity right clear headedness sober mindedness there's a standard and you are either there or you're not it's not how you feel about it it's not how you define it it's not how I define it that's how I thought of it I was like oh I live sensibly you know I don't jump out of airplanes I don't care if you've got a parachute for me I'm not jumping out of an airplane Right? I don't care if there's somebody strapped on my back. I'm not jumping out of an airplane. Right? Well, that doesn't make me sensible according to God's word. Right? That just makes me sane according to my standard. <laughs> no, I mean seriously. Right? It's not a, what I'm trying to say. It's not a subjective thing. You can't just look in the mirror and say, "Well, I think I live a sensible life." Um, there's a standard for this. Um, So if we demand from the text, okay, what does that mean? How, how do sober Christians live, right? Because the text says, do this. Well, then we need to make a demand of the text. What do you mean? Um, <clears throat> I think we get a very clear answer. Christians are to be, I couldn't come up with another word. Christians' lives are to be saturated with good deeds. I mean, just overflowing like turning from one good deed right to the next is what from the text right from, from the text you know and, and I, I say that but it's not immediately obvious because it's not like peppered into the instructions right next to sensible live, live sensibly by doing good deeds tell the young men to be sensible by doing good deeds it's not it's not there um, but looking 
Look in verse 7. Well, it kind of is for the young men. If you back up to uh, Titus 2.6, telling the young men, <clears throat> sorry, urge young men to be sensible, verse 7, in all things show yourself. So kind of changing the topic to Titus to be an example of good deeds. It's purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is above reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. If you ask me to put those things in order, if I'm instructing an evangelist of the example that he's supposed to be, I'm going to put doctrine at the first of that list. He doesn't. <clears throat> Purity of doctrine's in the list. But it's not first. And all things show yourself to be, to be an example of good deeds. And I think he links that with the young men, I, I assume, because Titus is a young man. I don't think he's saying only Titus needs to be doing good deeds. And we'll see that in the text here. <laughs> So, uh, to me, that's fascinating. Like, I, I would not have said, oh, okay, all right, the Bible says live sensibly. That means don't uh, do drugs. You know, it, it's, it's, my, it's the classic, and we talked about this yesterday, American Christian uh, idea, which is just don't be a bad person is what a Christian is. <laughs> right? Well, that, that's crazy. That's not at all what the scriptures teach. Right? And in fact, what it teaches about being sensible in, in this text is how much focus a Christian is going to have on good deeds. So, that's, you know, verse, chapter 2, verse 7 is not all-encompassing, right? It's talking to, you could argue specifically, Titus, I think it's fair to say young men. But look back at our, our primary text, verses 11 through 14. Now look, look for good deeds. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to do what? To deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the, appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, what? Zealous for good deeds. Everything before that is how you think. Right? Deny ungodliness. That's You do that in your head. Right? Live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Well, I mean, that's very generic, right? I mean, yeah, you're supposed to do that, but what, what am I supposed to do? Do I stand still? Does that make me godly and righteous? Looking for the blessed hope and appearing. You do that in your head. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, the only activity that Paul sees fit to put in this, in this text is... Zealous for good deeds. <clears throat> Not just good deeds. <laughs> Having a zeal for it. Kind of like I got a zeal for Atlanta United. Right? You guys know, like when I get on a roll, I can talk about it, right? I can talk about the future, I can talk about the past, I can say what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right. 
Right? You know there's a zeal there. You, I mean, you know what zeal is. I don't have to define zeal for you. Well, he purified a people for his own possession that are supposed to be zealous for something in this text. And the only thing Paul listed was good deeds. I'm not saying that Titus is the, is the entirety of the scripture. But if you read Titus start to finish and it takes you know 14 minutes to do it out loud, do it a few times in one day, repetitiously, you will come away like knowing Christians are supposed to be doing good deeds. Like you can't escape it. It's supposed to like ooze out of you is the sense you get from this text. So, did you notice everything before that is talking about these big, in my opinion, theological things? It's salvation in general, right? The grace of God has appeared. Okay, well, that's big. Right? Well, what are you talking about, right? That's Jesus, okay? Bringing salvation to all men. Now I know it's Jesus. Instructing us to... It's all of these very... I don't want to say vague because vague always has this negative connotation. But they are vague things, right? Salvation has appeared. Uh, deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Live sensibly. He's talking about salvation. In, in this really Now look at the next time he talks about salvation in Titus. Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> this is the next time Paul references this big idea. Uh, Titus 3 verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. Right? That sounds just like Titus 2.11. The grace of God has appeared, right? We're talking about the same thing. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. I don't know about you guys, but this totally blindsided me. <laughs> like, I know Christians are supposed to be engaged in good deeds, but I would never thought that in two chapters of the same letter to the same man, Paul would talk about these lofty theological things and say, here's the very first result that comes out of them. People who are zealous for good deeds and people who are careful to engage in them. You paying attention to your time and your life and how you use your resources so that you are prepared for the next good deed. And you're looking and you're creating, not creating good deeds by you know, creating calamity, you know, oh, I created a calamity so I can go in and rush in and save the people from the burning building because I, I set it on fire. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about when I say planning, right, or creating good deeds, right? What I mean is like finding somebody who needs good, as the Bible defines good, not as society defines good or how your emotions define good. Finding somebody who needs good done and do it. I don't know what was going on in Titus's life or what was going on in Crete. Maybe, I mean, he says Cretans are pretty nasty people in chapter 1, right? 
He says even their own poets talk about how bad they are. And Paul's like, and it's true. <laughs> you know? I mean, so maybe there's something wrong with Cretans that Paul's like got to get them out of their funk and make them do good deeds. I don't know. But this has been preserved for us to read today. So maybe we don't get in a funk in the first place, or if we are, we can get out of it. He's supposed to speak confidently about salvation. Did you see that? This is a trustworthy statement and concerning these things. I want you to speak confidently so that those who believe would be careful to engage in good deeds. I mean, that again... That just flies in the face of how I was brought up, right? I was brought up that you speak confidently about salvation and about doctrine so that you can refute the false teachers, so that you can shut people up who are teaching wrong things. And that is done when you preach the truth. But that's not the point of this letter. You actually, right, I will say you, Titus was told to go speak confidently about your salvation, telling the people in Crete, right, Here's what God has done for you so that when they walk away from your message, they're careful to go do good deeds. Well, I think we should walk away from the letter of Titus more careful than we were before. Careful to do good deeds. Look at, the, look at his closing remarks in, in, at the end of chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. <clears throat> I didn't expect this either. But, you know, Paul does these things. He's like, I won't say he's name-dropping because I don't think he's name-dropping, but he's, but he's talking about people that Titus might know or that might be in the area and he's saying, hey, do this, and uh, this is what I've got going on, right? Verse 12, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. And then this, Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. In his closing remarks, he can't stop talking about good deeds, and not just good deeds, but the necessity of our people. Right? Our people need to learn to engage in good deeds. He's just, he's just basically saying, you know, I'll see you later, Titus. And he talks about some people... Right, And I, I think it really is tied to what he says, diligently help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way so that nothing, right? That's, I think that's the good deed he's talking about, right? These men are coming through. You need to help them on their way. And he, but he cannot help himself. Our people need to learn to do those good deeds. That's why you need to help Zenus and Apollo, uh, Apollos. Apollo? Yeah, Apollos. You need to help Zenus and Apollos because, not just because they need help, Because those people, our people, where you are, need to learn to do good deeds. So my conclusion from Titus is a sensible life is a, is a life that is, like I said, saturated. It's just saturated with good deeds. Or at least trying to figure out how to get to the next good deed. If there's not one, you know, you know. I, I'll describe myself, right? I'm willing to help you if you come to me for help, but you've got to come to me for help. I'm not going to go find you. And I'm not saying that's right or good. I'm just saying that's my, that's my personality, let, let's say. I wouldn't teach anybody to be that way. That's something I have to fight against. I have to be proactive. 
There's nothing in this text that we just read that says, teach the people to sit there and field requests for needs. That's not what the text says. The text says the exact opposite, that you're supposed to be zealous for good deeds and careful to go do them. So if, if I don't have a good deed sitting in front of me right now, you know what I need to do? I need to go find one. <clears throat> Saturated with good deeds. You know, as convinced as I am that this, this conclusion is clearly taught in this letter, it still sounds kind of odd um, to say it until, you know, I start thinking, you know, about, about my life. And I wanted, again, to, not that I'm a young man, but look back at the teaching to the young men, uh, Titus 2, verses 6 and 7. <coughs> he really does only put one thing on them, right? He says they need to be sober-minded, and I, I still am tying the instruction to Titus to engage in good deeds. I'm tying that to the young men. But I can, tell, I can attest personally to the link between sober-mindedness and good deeds. When my life, the, the times in my life, the periods, I want to say the periods in my life, when, they, when that, they have been characterized by good deeds, I have had the most spiritual clarity. I know that to be true. When I have been engaged in service the most deeply or I've been burdened the most heavily with serving other people somehow in a spiritual way or in a physical way, in those times, I have had the most spiritual clarity. I have thought about heaven more often. I have thought about my place on the earth in the short time that I have here more often. I see myself in my life and the things that happen in this earth more clearly when I'm engaged in service. I am convinced that what Paul is instructing in Titus 2, 6, and 7, I have seen is what I'm trying to say. I've got empirical evidence that I can tie to this inspired word that is true. I've seen it. And on the opposite, I can tell you the exact same. When I have escaped rough patches in life, I mean spiritually. I don't mean like I got sick or something happened to me. I mean when I have not been spiritually mature. That escape has often been accomplished through service to other people. When I have returned to doing good deeds... I have escaped temptation. I have escaped uh, lukewarmness. And, I'm, and again, you guys know I'm not saying this, but I, I feel like I have to say it just for clarity's sake because there will be people listening to this later. I'm not saying that the good deeds are making me pleasing to God and that that's why he's giving me a home in heaven. The good deeds are my response to him doing that. He has done that as far as I'm concerned. He's outside of time. That home is there. Now my response is to be a, a people that he's purified, to be a person he's purified for good deeds. Zealous for those good deeds. 
And I can tell you that at least that teaching in Titus 2, 6, and 7, I have seen in my life. It is real. You will be more sober-minded. You will be more clear. The more good deeds you are engaged in, you can't help it. It just happens. So ask some hard questions of yourself this week. This is the, we're, we're at the end of the lesson. Ask some hard questions of yourself this week. <clears throat> Would any court convict you of being zealous for good deeds? If you're put on trial, and I know we play that game with Christians, but would a court ever convict you of being a Christian? And when, I mean, but it's a, it's a useful little tool. If, if, if people in your life were called as witnesses, would you be convicted of being zealous for good deeds? And that, it's not really what other people think, but right? Because a lot of your good deeds shouldn't be known. But Paul tells Timothy, you can't hide all the good deeds you do. And they're going to come out just like the bad ones. Would you be convicted? Um, what do you need to eliminate from your life to do more good deeds? I mean, you get 24 hours in a day, and I get those same 24 hours. Right? And if you're doing good deeds and I'm not, it's not because I don't have the time. Because we both got 24 hours. So if you are looking in the mirror and saying, okay, I'm not doing good deeds, all right, well, I mean, don't get down in the dumps and say, oh, I'm a terrible person, I can't be a Christian, and no, no. Right? Say, all right, well, what do I do? All right, I'm going to eliminate one thing that I do that's not a good deed, and I'm going to fill it in with a good deed. And then just do it. And then do it again, right? But, but it's not going to happen by accident. Nobody, I mean, when Paul says that they need to be careful to do good deeds, right? It's the opposite of accidental, like right? tripping down the stairs, right? You have to plan it. You have to put some work into it. You have to put some brain power into it, some elbow grease. What are you going to do? What are you going to give up? Then go do it. Um, remember this from the text. You've been purified for this purpose. If you need any motivation, like, well, Richard said it. No, that's not motivation. It doesn't matter what I say. Right? Go back to Titus. You were actually purified for this. Um, you've been made an heir of God for this purpose. This is the reason he made you an heir. So you'd be zealous for good deeds. He's zealous for good deeds. I mean, if you want to see zeal for good deeds, like, you know, look out and, and see the spring in nature. God has given that to everybody, even people who hate him. They can't stand him. They don't want to hear anything from him. And he gives that to them. He's zealous for it. To deny that fact and to take another path is to fight against your new nature in your new design. Say, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. It's like a car saying, I'm not going to crank. Well, what good is it? So get excited about some new good deed, right? 
think of something and say, okay, I'm going to be nervous about it because like, I haven't done this good deed or whatever, or I'm, I'm doing some good deeds but I haven't done these. But get excited about it. Tackle it with everything you got, right? It's really, and, and again, using the words from at least the New American Standard Version, it's really the only sensible thing for a Christian to do. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only sober-minded thing to do. Once you've read the text, is to just go do some good deeds, right? Do more. So, thank you for your attention. And I think I can... No, I can't stop the recording. <laughs> We're going to sing a song, though, and the purpose of the song...